Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. It's now early June, and most schools have, or will very shortly be having their graduation ceremonies. We've all heard these graduation ceremonies called commencements because they don't just mark an end, but also a beginning. The Ascension is very similar in this regard. This, the selectionary gospel is at the very end of Mark's gospel, while our epistle reading is the very beginning of Acts. This is a very fitting transition that encapsulates what the Ascension represents in the history of the church. Like a graduation or commencement, it's both an end and a beginning. Graduations are usually a moment of joy, a time when it feels like nothing can hold you down. But this one wasn't so for the disciples. The ascension occurs 40 days after Jesus's resurrection. As we all know, 40 is a key number in the Bible. Throughout the Old Testament, we see 40 days, 40 years, etc., representing the fullness of a period, usually of testing or of judgment. For example, the 40 days of the flood, the 40 years Isaac lived before he married Rebekah, the 40 days spent by Moses on Mount Sinai, the 40 years the Israelites spent wandering in the desert, and the 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness tempted by the devil. In the lectionary the last several weeks, we have seen that these 40 days after the resurrection are a time of trial for the disciples. Although we've so longed to live in the Easter joy and feasting we celebrate for 50 days, compared to the only 40 days of fasting that Lent entails, the gospel has repeatedly brought us back to a tough reality. First, we're told how the disciples cowered in fear of the Roman authorities in the upper room. And even after Jesus had made a couple of appearances, they still seemed like they didn't fully get it. We see their trials week after week after week. First, Thomas is unwilling to believe unless he sees with his own eyes and touches with his own hands. We hear Jesus prophesy of his crucifixion and the three days he will lay in the tomb likened to labor pains. We hear him warn the disciples that he will be leaving soon, which brings sorrow to their hearts. And most recently, that the hour has come when all the disciples will be scattered. We know that despite all the warnings, all the prophecies, and all the knowledge that the disciples had going into these 40 days that Jesus stayed with them and taught them, they failed at this time of trial. We hear in tonight's gospel that Jesus was forcefully scolding, upbraiding the disciples because of their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. It's hard not to hear the echoes of Jesus's words from over a month ago to Thomas after the resurrection. Because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And here it sounds like they have seen and still not believed. So what's holding them down? Mary Magdalene was the first witness to the resurrection. And when Jesus used her name and she recognized him for who he was, she worshiped him and must have been embracing his legs pretty tightly, so happy to see the risen Lord, such that his response to her was, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. 
Nothing was holding Jesus down. His feet were already light the day after the day of the resurrection. He was already feeling the pull of heaven, but he stayed because something was holding the disciples back. The scriptures are nearly silent on what happened during the 40 days that Jesus spent with his disciples on earth. We know that along the road to Emmaus, he, that and beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He didn't expect us just to figure it all out on our own. And in fact, we see the disciples had no hope of doing it on their own. They'd gone back to their day jobs. We see Peter and the other disciples fishing when Jesus comes to reconcile with Peter. We see other stories where he shores up doubters. Here's, uh, we hear of his appearance to hundreds of disciples. But apparently, even now, just before he's going to ascend, there was still a lot of doubt. Something is holding them down. And although all his earthly work in these 40 days was critical, perhaps it was even a proof to the disciples that they were dependent on God's work and that they failed despite all of that that he'd already done. Somehow, ironically, what was holding them down was the very thing that Jesus said he was doing, but hadn't yet done. That was ascend to the Father. There are two critical aspects to Jesus' ascent. Humanhood was taken up to the right hand of the Father, and soon divinity itself would descend to be enthroned at humankind's right hand. What do I mean by that? Well, even though there's this sort of aspect of being lifted up into heaven and disappearing into the clouds, and indeed in the icon of the ascension, Jesus and the angels are pictured in a mandorla, the almond-shaped artistic device that tells us that the church doesn't believe this to be a literal depiction of the events. That is, if you'd been hiking on Mount Olives the day of the ascension, you wouldn't have seen Jesus floating into heaven like a balloon. No, this is the type of event that required spiritual eyes. And yet, despite that kind of unrealness to this event, there's a very real physical reality that took place, something very fleshy, very meaty. You might be tempted to think that the incarnation ended when Jesus ascended, but this is something we most definitely reject. Jesus did not become an angel, nor did he become a spirit being tiptoeing in the clouds, nor did he convert back into God only. And I will note that God is not a spiritual being, at least not in the sense that angels are, as angels are created spiritual beings, just like humans are created beings. No, Jesus as God and man ascended into heaven as God and man, perfect God and perfect man, taking our human nature into the very throne room of God and thereby permitting us to be in direct communion with Jesus and thereby the Father. We will be raised as mind, body, and spirit on that last day and spend eternity in heavens in that form because Christ has done the same. This is why we say in the creed that we believe in the resurrection of the body, to emphasize that the body is part of that future existence. The ascension is therefore a prophecy of things to come for those who love God and believe in him. The ascension also initiates a cycle that will be completed 10 days from now on the 50th day, Pentecost. Why take 10 days more? Well, it isn't for us to know the times and seasons, remember. But we can also say that 50 is a very special number in the Bible, one of a sort of ultra-perfection. Seven is a sign of the glory of good creation. 
and 50 is 7 times 7, fit plus 1. And today, Jesus enthroned all of human nature with God, sitting on his right hand. And that means in the position to execute God's power. That power of Jesus sitting on God's right hand is made effectual in us when God himself descends into, upon humankind. The Holy Spirit makes us, all, all of us, God's holy of holies, the very temple where heaven and earth meet. In building the Tower of Babel, prideful mankind tried to reach the heavens through the back door, and languages multiplied to confound them. But on Pentecost, receptive, humble, believing humankind was gifted that wish that they'd had for so long by God himself, reversing that curse and miraculously permitting people to hear the gospel in their own language despite Peter likely speaking Aramaic or Greek to people from many, many nations. When we align ourselves with the Spirit, we enthrone God on our right hand to act with power in our lives and in the lives of all around us. Yet darkness and sin always seem to be holding us down. We must first deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and only then will we be able to ascend so that the Holy Spirit can descend. The Spirit of God himself can completely fill us and commune with us only when we live according to the pattern of Jesus as the perfect human, and we thereby become, by that grace of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and his gifts, a little more godlike. And remember, just like our Lord, we don't lord that power over people. It's a tough place to be with all that power, all that responsibility, and still need an unfathomable degree of humility. I don't know if you can handle it. I know I struggle with it immensely. And yet we have to continue to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts because we're told that Jesus will return just as he left. The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So what must we do? Well, God's given us the next nine days to focus on what we need to do to cut off the shackles that are keeping us from rising with Jesus towards God and to understand what a great gift the receipt of the Holy Spirit truly is. We know that the apostles spent this period with one accord in prayer, according to the scriptures. And the Western tradition has an edifying devotion called novenas. Novenas are a nine-day series of prayer, and the novena to the Holy Ghost starting this Friday after the Ascension and going through the nine days until Saturday before Pentecost, the descent of the Holy Spirit on that Pentecost Sunday. I printed out some of the prayers and put them at the back, and I'll try to post them day by day to Facebook. So that's one way, one way that we can work on rising up to God and focus our thoughts by praying with one accord like the disciples did almost 2,000 years ago. And I encourage you in this time to think about all the ways that you can get closer to heaven and help bring heaven to those around you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God is one. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.